Welcome to Be More Super the Podcast. Up in the sky, it's a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman. An action-packed podcast where we'll discuss all things entertainment. You're the answer to are we alone in the universe? Conventions, prop collecting, cosplay, interviews, reviews, and so much more. The show starts with host Brian Gardner right now. So on this week's episode of Be More Super, we've got a real treat. Any DC fans out there, we have got the Flash himself. Yes, Mr. John Wesley Ship. John, welcome to the show, my man. Thank you. Thanks for having me. And how is everything where you are in, is it New York you're based? New York City. Yes, I am. It's a very gray New York day today. Of course, you know, the numbers for... COVID-19 are going back up, so restrictions are starting to be reapplied, and uh, everyone's very concerned about that. You know, so far, the, the, the gyms are still open, which I'm happy about because I gained 30 pounds during the wow. first quarantine. Of course, everything's very safe. They put in a special filtration and antivirus air system. Everybody has to wear their mask the correct way. Can't be hanging from your chin, you know, has to be the way it is. And they've got cleaning stations all over the gym to totally disinfect before and after every exercise that you use. So I feel fairly comfortable in doing that. And I'm slowly chipping down because uh, I got the word that I may be needing to be thinner. We'll just say that. I don't want to give anything away uh, after the first of the year. So I can't have this COVID quarantine weight on. That is that is awesome news that there could be potential uh, excitement there for fans. Um, but I'm glad you're keeping safe because that's the key, isn't it? It's, it's about yes. looking after yourself, respecting others. And, um, you know, being positive, uh, we will get through this. I think everyone, no matter what country you're in, are, are going through the same thing. You know, um, it, it is difficult times, especially with kids involved as well. Uh, I've got to keep my little girls uh, all, all safe. I've got, got to be the superhero in my house. Um, oh, yeah, how old? Um, I've got a seven-year-old little girl called Lois, after Lois Lane. Yeah. And I've got, I've got a three-year-old little girl called Kara after supergirl excellent and do you excellent. know what my i'm i my wife let me you know i've, I've got <laughs> such an understanding wife i really have but let's talk about superheroes because uh you you john paved my childhood you and christopher reeve because while growing up um i was obsessed with superman and then on the tv came the flash um, and it, it just op opened my eyes. It was full of, of magic, CGI, um, you know, great costumes. Um, but how did you get the role of The Flash? Because you were primarily daytime TV. I was up to the end, Broadway. I'd been on Broadway and done regional theater, and I, I had my two daytime Emmys, and uh, I uh, got cast in NeverEnding Story 2. Um, with Jonathan Brandis. And um, I went and did that. And my the casting director of that movie, the late Hank McCann, who was super agent extraordinaire, and the player, Robert Altman's the player. At one point, someone says, get McCann. You know, he was an iconic casting director who did a little bit of personal management. And so he wanted to personally manage me after that experience and said, you have to come to LA. So I came, I did a couple of projects. 
And I began to hear about this script <clears throat> based on a superhero called The Flash. And I was very uh, cautious about it in 1990 because I had pretensions of being a, a serious actor and I didn't think that <laughs> spoof comedy, which was the way mm -hmm. I had grown up with superheroes on TV and loved every minute of it. But I just didn't think that's where my talent or my interests lay. So um, I talked to April Webster, multiple Emmy award-winning casting director of Lost and other shows. And she said, I said, I, you know, I'm uncomfortable with the potential spoof element and I would be very nervous about running around in a pair of red tights. And uh, she said, well, first of all, the reason we're coming to you is because we know that you're training and the work that you've done, you mm. try to be as truthful as possible. She said, and if the project were what you are describing, do you think I would be attached? And I went, hmm, okay. So she said, just read it. That's all I ask. And I read Danny Bilson and Paul DeMeo's extraordinary pilot, hour and a half pilot treatment, in which I discovered a young man who is the unblessed son of a cop family where real cops work the streets, but I go to the crime lab so that my mom isn't nervous every night, you know, about her, every man in her family not coming home. Dad doesn't really respect that. You know, he's, mom will say, be safe. And Emmett Walsh would chime in, the great Emmett Walsh, talk about iconic. He would chime in, what's he going to do? Stub his toe in a footprint? Of course, I was thinking now, I was CSI before CSI was cool, dad, you know? <laughs> and, uh, and so, <clears throat> you know, and then suddenly this guy gets these powers and I was really interested by the fact that it wasn't Hugh Hollywood hero, that his first reaction wasn't, okay, I'm going to go off now and save the day. You know, it was, I want to get rid of this. I'll go see Tina McGee. I don't want to know from this. I've accepted my lot in life. I am comfortable with who I am and my position in the family. I love my brother who is the blessed son played by Tim Thomerson. I thought, well, that's interesting. And then I noticed that all the way through, even though there was humor, the humor was based on things like what would potential speed do to your love life? I mean, it was the human <laughs> reality behind an extraordinary superhuman event. And they were constantly trying to get to something that felt authentic. And I thought, okay. Then Danny said, we promise we won't put you in a, set of red tights, you know, Oscar winner, you know, George Stevens, Robert Short will be building it. Um, and it will be a high tech construction. We're spending a hundred thousand dollars in 1990 on to build four suits. I began to long for those red tights later on in the shooting <laughs> schedule as it got hotter and hotter and hotter. But anyway, um, and, uh, and so I read for it, you know, I think they read, I had heard at the time about 60 other guys, they took two of us to the network, CBS, and network tests will shorten your life. You know, you walk in and there are 20, 22 studio executives. And April was there reading with me and we read. Then they called me back in again, gave me a direction and I read again. And then we went away. And then they uh, asked to see some uh, film from an independent film project, the sector that I was doing at the time, to see recent footage. Because I had worked with Greg Berlanti on Dawson's Creek. You know, they clearly wanted to see some recent footage. 
And then after they got that, they called my agent and they made the offer. Now, when I heard how Jeff Johns had altered the flash, I thought, if they come to me, Henry Allen is the character I want. Everyone was saying, G. Garrett, G. Garrett, G. Garrett. I was going, uh, that's a little on the nose. But to be this father who is wrongfully convicted of killing his wife in front of his 10-year-old son and only his son believes in his innocence, I thought that's a role I would want to say, play, even if I had never been Barry Allen. I thought that, and it proved true, that having been Barry Allen helped me be a better father figure to the new Barry Allen. And we got to pass the blessing, father-son blessing, instead of, hey, kid, go up there. This is how you do it. This is how you be a superhero. So um, <clears throat> that's how it, uh, it actually came about in uh, 1990. Yeah. I mean, did any of your friends, you know, when you said, oh, I'm going to go for the Flash, did any of them try to talk you out of it or into it i mean i've got to imagine as an actor you know you know signing up for such a, a big job like the flash it could be a make or break situation you know if it succeeds or fails well i think the degree of confidence that my uh by then manager hank mccann had in me and my ability uh and he had obviously grilled everyone about what kind of production it was going to be. The most expensive show Warner Brothers had ever produced for television. Okay, it's not going to be, we're going to stand off screen with a rope and <laughs> for Spider-Man and throw rope on camera. You know what I mean? It's going to be, for the time, groundbreaking visual and effects and stunts because a lot of our effects were live action we didn't have the capability of cgi that they have did i always tell people yeah okay you're a fan of the new flash if they say i'm going to go back and watch the 90s show i said do me a favor watch it through 1990s glasses because um it's important to remember that in 1990s we were our reviews were phenomenal in the new in big papers like the New York Times, the Washington Post. That I mean, it was. Uh, I have on my Facebook page uh, my cover photo is now a collection of blurbs, reviews, all the major papers in the United States. Thirsty nuts just got tougher. A nine point five on the Zowie Wowie scale. I mean, our reviews were through the roof. So um, I think the confidence of my manager. Uh, his finger on the pulse of the entertainment industry, realizing what a blockbuster Batman had just been. Mm. Both of these projects were in development at Warner Brothers around a new way of telling these stories for adult audiences at the same time. So I think he knew it was going to be obviously a very high profile project, an action adventure show with the element of superhuman speed. Danny Bilson said, You'll only be in the suit maybe a quarter of the episode, but your job will be to bring, and I discovered this, was to bring truth to Barry Allen so that mm. people, the audience could identify with this ordinary guy caught in extraordinary circumstances so that they could hook into Barry so that when I went in the suit, everybody came with me because everybody can relate. I'm an ordinary guy and everybody has a special ability. Everybody has a thing that they do particularly well. How do you do with that? And the bigger the ability, 
the more the, the, the strain on, on the individual. So by the time it came around to my audition, auditioning for it, I was 100% invested. I was all yeah. in. And what I was, was still cautious. Yeah. I was still uncomfortable. And you could see it in those early episodes. I didn't want to talk in the suit. <laughs> I didn't want to be a mascot. I didn't want entertainment tonight coming in and getting B-roll of me drinking a Diet Coke and eating a ham sandwich with the, with the cow back. I didn't want to be a mascot, you know? Yeah. It was I a mean, big concern for me then. I mean, what was the pressure like knowing that you were going to be playing a superhero, you know, to, to uh, deliver that? I never felt... I came at it from exactly the opposite. First of all, admission... Full disclosure, I was not a comic book fan growing up. They said The Flash. I said, do you mean Flash Gordon? (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, guys. Um, I had to learn, and I had what great mentors, Danny Bilson and Paul DeMeo, to school me in the history. I mean, The Flash was 50 years old when Mm -hmm. I got to him in 1990. You know, so this amazing through Jay Garrick, through Barry Allen, through that I had to learn and then I had to forget about it. And I had to look at the page. I had to look at the human, very human guy that Danny and Paul had written. And I had to invest that with as much of John as I could find in the role. I always felt once the suit came out and the lights went down and Danny Elfman and Shirley Walker swelled you know the music my job was essentially over you know i had a wonderful stuntman dane farwell who i always credit to this day he was a rock and he was so talented you know if if he was either photo doubling me like in the blue flash red flash twin streaks episode whatever he was doing he was he was so expert and so devoted and so committed to it he made a lot easier that's awesome. And talking about the suit, of course, that suit is iconic. It really, really is. Um, and during pre-production, I, I assume there's, there were many suits that you may maybe tried on. I mean, what was that process like, you know, getting fitted and seeing the suit for the first time? They knew what they wanted. I think I've heard Danny Bilson say or read that he said I never knew this, that the that the studio basically wanted, uh, 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 you know, a running shoot uh, suit and uh, sneakers with wings or something like that. They had to have George Stevens come in and who I believe had just designed the Rocketeer, you know, so to come in and draw the version of what they visually wanted to see in a high tech suit that sold the network. And then the fitting process was wild because they, uh, I had to go in initially and strip to my underwear. They covered me in Vaseline, wrapped me in cellophane. I was like, okay, this is getting a little kinky. Um, And then they put a spandex suit over that. And this is after they had done a body cast and a head cast and, and sculpted individual foam latex muscle pieces. They glued the individual muscle pieces onto the spandex suit over this, my greased up cellophane wrapped body. The reason they put grease on became evident because the glue got really hot when it set. 
So they glued all these individual muscle pieces on with me in it. They took it off. They took it. They flocked it. They put an electromagnetic charge through the suit with while blowing this uh, fabric, which gave it the fuzzy kind of look. And then yeah. they carefully shaded all the muscle areas. And, uh, you know, when they were doing the, the, the head thing for the cow, I mean, it was old school. They could do it so much easier now that they put all this plaster of Paris and they put straws in my nose so I could breathe. But it kept, it kept getting darker and darker and darker. And then I go, you know, wow. they had a saw and they're like, begin to saw it after it had set. I'm like, oh my God, please don't slip. And they broke it off. And then they had my face and they could, they could make the cow. But um, no, it, it never, the only thing that we did after it was built, uh, the first time it was really large. And you can see in some of the early photos, the traps were, it was really too big. And we went through a process of scaling down, scaling down, which continued into the CW show, because that version of the suit is even a little more, little slimmer to reflect yeah, it's the a lot more refined, isn't it? You know what I mean? Yeah. But, um, by the time we got to the blue flash, I felt that it was about where it needed to be. <laughs> and what and what was the best thing and worst thing about being in that suit? Well, the best thing was the reaction of people who saw it. Hearing the words, man, it looks like it was ripped right off of the comic book page. You know, the fact that it it was respected, it wasn't laughable, it was a high-tech construction uh built by an oscar winner so it's a lot of respect in fact our show <clears throat> was nominated for an emmy for art direction i'll always be proud of that you know um the best thing was that and and it continues to roll out people still saying how much they love that version of the flash suit to this day so 31 years later you know, I'm very, very proud of it, probably more than I and less anxious than I was then. The worst thing was there were two challenges. And I always say nobody wants to hear somebody who's been fortunate enough to play these iconic characters in today's market where comic book entertainment is mainstream. Right. Mm. It's like the biggest stars in the business are wanting to get these roles. That wasn't yeah. the case in 1990. But the um nobody wants to hear us whine about how hard our suit was you know what i mean the challenges were heat um i started sweating through the like two or three inches of places foam latex muscle and you would see the sweat come out on the muscle bands and start to run down my body i thought it was cool as hell they said nah <laughs> that has nothing to do with god so they sprayed it with a sealant which kept all the sweat inside and all the heat inside. So I'd have it on for 20 minutes and you'd squeeze me out like a sponge, you know? Plus they had to glue that cowl to my face and under my chin. So they put this glue on, then they take it off with acetone, then they put on makeup for Barry, then they take the makeup off, then they put the glue on. And the other challenge was they couldn't clean them really because the foam latex started crumbling Right, yeah. from like the third episode in it was constant repair um so they would hang it in my trailer and spray it with lysol it would still be wet and sticky 
Oh, the next time I put it on. So those were the challenges. Having said that, I would take that any day over running around in a pair of red tights, you know. <laughs> and what an awesome suit it is. I mean, at what point of filming The Flash did you ever, well, did you ever at any point go, wow, you know, this is going to be fantastic, you know, you know, during filming The Flash? There again, I was so micro-focused instead of macro. I was so focused on Barry and trying to get Barry right and trying to strike that balance between heightened reality and absolute truthfulness because it can't be either one exclusively, right? Yeah. You got to find that line so it's not laughable, but it's still fun. It's still a comic book character. Um, that I was so focused on that, that I, it really took other people to tell me for, uh, I had a friend come to the set and we had a third of the back lot at Warner brothers. The Warner brothers had just been renamed. It was Burbank studios. It was Warner brothers and then Burbank. And then they had just renamed it, painted the water tower. I came over Barm and I saw that Warner brothers studios on the water tower. I knew I had a parking lot, parking space on that back lot. That was phenomenal. Felt like the same first time I did Broadway when I was in a restaurant on the Upper West Side having breakfast thinking, I'm going to do my matinee. You know, you get these things that wash over you and you feel like you have to pinch yourself to see if you're really, or punch yourself or something to see if you're really awake. Um, I think I've gone way off of your question. <laughs> what, was your, what was your initial question? Was, 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 <laughs> at what point did you feel, wow, this is going to be amazing? Thank you know, you. this is the flash. Uh, a friend of mine came to the set and he knew that I was doing it and was like, yeah, that's really great. He had been in the business and he came to the set and observed and he went, wow. I said, wow, what? He said, this is an enormous production. And he asked me that. How does it feel to be at the center of the biggest thing happening on the back lot at Warner Brothers at this moment. And I'm like, well, if you put it that way, <laughs> it's a little nerve wracking, but I can't think about that. But no, we, you did have the feeling that what you were doing was a groundbreaking and that you were at the beginning of something new, you know, which I have landed in at several different uh, daytime, the youth revolution, a new way of telling stories for young people on Dawson's Creek. So you had the feeling that it was that we were doing good work. We knew that we were doing good work and that the special effects for the time would blow everyone away. As they did when we had a big premiere on the back lot at Warner Brothers, big screen, international press, huge setup with a dais and a backdrop and I answered questions the internet. I mean, it was a big deal and it began to i'm getting goosebumps putting myself back in that place it began to dawn on me yeah this is the big time you know <laughs> and and throughout throughout the series you work with so many outstanding actors from mark hamill to amanda pay uh david cassidy um you know is there any actor that comes to mind that you had really good fun acting opposite Jason Bernard, the great 
late Jason Bernard. Mm-hmm. I certainly had fun with all of them. Mark Hamill, please. I mean, he helped <laughs> me a lot, actually. He come blazing onto the back lot, you know, working the unitard, no holes barred, no total 100% commitment. And that, that helped me sort of reevaluate my own ego that was perhaps a little misplaced at the time around res- a certain part of me was resisting. I would not be comfortable saying dialogue. I look at Grant today who wears that suit like a second skin and mm. says dialogue. He's completely natural. It's, it, it amazes me because, you know, 24 years later when the CW flash premiered, there's no stigma attached as I was saying earlier. Mm. So let's uh, flash forward, uh, should I say, to 24 yeah, years. Right. And yeah, <laughs> and we see you as Henry Allen. Uh, were you hesitant to join the franchise or did you grab hold of that and gone, yeah, come on, let's have it? As soon as I found out, had they offered me the role out of the gate of Jay Garrick, I might have been hesitant. Because, I mean, come on, we got a bunch now. Barry is 10 years younger than he was when I was doing them, mm. playing him. So we have these 20 some, these beautiful 20 somethings running around in superhero costumes. Here I come 20 at the time, I guess it was 27 years later when I put on the Jay Garrett suit. I'm going to get in a super, it's like, you know, I would have been a little weirded out. But as I say, when I heard how Jeff Johns had blown up the Allen family and how dark the new telling of that story was i figured a couple of things one that my experience playing barry would help me to play the part number two i saw grant gustin in the backdoor pilot on arrow when there was no acting it's total sincerity there were no gimmicks it was just truth and i knew i could work with that and coming in to play this darker character and i figured that since he's the only one that believed I was innocent, it would carve out a very unique place within an action adventure episode. Again, the lights go down, the music fades, everything gets quiet. We walk into that booth and pick up those phones and look at each other and tell the truth. I figured it would give us, it would carve out for us a very unique, quiet situation in which to as the audience calls it pass the torch and the fact that scene after scene after scene i so respect and admire and love grant's work and his approach to the work and not only his approach to the work but his approach to being number one on the call sheet because you know when you are it's a dual responsibility you have to Mm. play your character but then you set the tone for the set. There are some number ones on the call, on call sheets that make it really abominable mm. place to work. Grant's not like that. He kids around, he has fun, he laughs, he dance, and then when it's time to work, boom, he's giving himself 100% to it. So um, I have to say that it was, and you don't often say this, but playing Henry Allen was everything that i hoped it would be you know i mean i mean the connection with you 
and Grant is just just so heartfelt. It really is in like every scene. And um, I, you know, I've I've always wondered that if you had any input on playing Henry, you know, Alan, uh, when you joined the cast, did 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 you have any input, or you know, were you told exactly how to play the character? No, they wrote the scenes, uh, and this it's like it's funny when we were at the uh, up. Uh, the upfronts in New York city after we had done it and Grant had seen the pilot and I hadn't. And he came bounding up to me and he said, man, have you seen our scene? He said he was sitting there like going, you can't cry. It's so not cool to cry at your own scene. It's so not cool to cry at your own scene, but it was, uh, what was your question? <laughs> <laughs> I, no, it was like um, <laughs> base, but you you know what? I'm listening to you so intensively. Literally, I'm getting lost because I'm getting lost well, in I'm what you're saying. These rabbits, um, you know? So, so no on 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 screen the, the 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 relationship you have with Grant. Did you have any input on on the way that you played Henry Hallen? They, as I was saying before, I went chasing rabbits. They um, they, it was they were the scenes were so beautifully written, mm -hmm. and I think. By the time they cast me, they knew why they cast me. So I didn't have to jump out and go way over here to play Henry Allen. Henry Allen was so much a part of my having been Jay Garrick, you know, my respect and love for Grant. It was so much a part. And I figured rightfully, thank God because I don't always figure rightfully, that I, my job was twofold. One was for Henry to make Barry feel that he was okay and to show Barry everything that he saw in him that would make him a fine man and to go and live your life, you know? And then there was John looking at this amazing young actor, imagining what some of his hopes and dreams, what some of his insecurities might be going into such an iconic role. And to hold a mirror up to Grant for him to see all the things that I saw in him uh, that I knew would make him a brilliant flash for today. And you know what? Yes, you're an actor. And even if you're not getting along, you know, your obligation is to play what's written and what's on the page. But it so helps <laughs> when you genuinely have respect and 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 love for each other to play to play scenes like that Definitely. and we got incredibly close which made it difficult maybe we'll talk this later when it came time to play Jay Garrett yeah yeah I mean did you did you realize that when you joined the show that you were gonna end up playing Jay and then the flash from Earth 90 and and all that lot I mean how did you feel when you found those things out that must have been crazy it was the quintessential bait and switch. I figured I've answered this question so many times. So if people are watching, they've heard this answer. I tell people there are only so many answers that I can give before I start lying. <laughs> so, <laughs> so bear with me. It's like, um, I figured I'd get one or two seasons out of Henry Allen. Once he began assuming his powers as parents need their children less, Barry would need me, Grant would need John as I brought my audience onto the show, as, as he assumed the, you know, so I figured one season, one season really, okay, it stretched to two, great. Uh, 
as I, I knew that I was booked for the last four episodes of season two, and I figured, okay, this is this is where we'll say goodbye to Henry. And I found out quite by accident through someone saying offhand, um, okay, you, you got to have a fitting for the iron mask. And I said, the iron what? The what? <laughs> and they said, oh my God, we didn't, you don't know. We didn't tell you. And then I'm sitting with Jesse Martin and Grant off camera in between scenes. And they're like, so did you hear what you're going to be doing next season? And I said, yeah, I'm the man in the iron mask. Go figure. And they're like waiting. <laughs> and they go, yeah, uh, that's all, you know. And I'm like, what else is there? And they said, you're the real Jay Garrick. I was like, stop. You're kidding. Well, of course I called Greg and I said, I'm hearing rumors about, or I texted him about parts I may or may not be playing going forward. He was like, Oh my God, I, I thought they had talked to you about it. He said, can we have a conversation tomorrow? Which was Saturday. I said, absolutely. And then Greg spun out this amazing story in which I would be killed as one character in the penultimate episode, I would be resurrected and revealed as the man in the iron mask, who is a doppelganger of Henry Allen, who turns out to be the real Jake Garrick, which is the character the audience wanted me to play to begin with. And I said to Greg, I said, man, how can I say no to that? That's just, even if I were not involved and you laid this plan out to me, I would I would, I would be giving you major props for just amazing channeling of fan expectation. And then came the process of suddenly it, it mattered how I looked. And we had to, with uh, uh, Maya, we had to, um, another Oscar winner, uh, Colleen uh, Atwood design suits. Um, we, had to, we had to go about building the, the, the Jay Garrick suit. And it's an awesome suit. And it's awesome. I mean, did and you it keep... can be cleaned. <laughs> yeah, it can be cleaned. Did you get it? Did you get a chance to uh, keep anything from from the shows? Uh, because I know that a certain um, overcoat, drench coat, or raincoat—I don't, I don't know what you call them in the states—makes um, an appearance from the OG Flash, as they call it, which is awesome. Uh, which I think is fantastic. I mean, is that the only piece that you own, or? You know, I've been so foolish. I wish I had been more like Mark Hamill. Yeah, I think he has an entire wing of his house or something with <laughs> memorabilia, you know, which I think is really smart. I go back and I think the roles I've done on Broadway, the, the, the parts I've played, the different psycho parts and good guys, the drug addicted cop on NYPD Blue, Dawson's dad, Teen Wolf Psycho, you know, all these different journeys and side trips that I've had, I've, I've, I've often wished that I had had more of a sensibility about, okay. I did think when I was back for a crisis, you know, they end with the burnt, the suit burnt and the mm -hmm. insignia that I, I should have asked, and I may still be able to. Um, I wouldn't do it now because they're dealing with so many things, trying to get mm -hmm. back shooting in the age of COVID and, keep everybody safe but i would like to have that you yeah. know but the only reason i took the trench coat is because john wanted to wear it i thought that's that's an awesome raincoat <laughs> trench coat whatever and uh, yeah but i never 
Oh, that is awesome. You could be have you, you you could have a flash suit hang, hanging up right now, um, <laughs> smelling a bit. It depends on which suit 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 that you choose. Um, oh, I do so- have a jitters cup. I just thought of another thing. I do have a jitters cup. Oh, also uh, the coffee shop, which I yeah. just sort of slipped under my arm and took. <laughs> I'm like, oh, there's a pile of jitters cups. Okay, we're just gonna sneak out the door. It's, but it's, you know it, what? Have re- really been fantastic and i have collected uh, by going to comic cons are i don't know if you can see can you see yes, on the wall back there i was at a comic con with the great joe stanton and he drew that for me at the con and i have pictures of him coming over and autographing it for me and and giving it to me so that's a bread breeding great uh inker and comic book artist in his own right, um, drew this incredible of my Flash 1990 and gave it to me. I have that. Uh, and so I have things that that people have, oh, wow. have presented me with, you know, uh, nice. that are my collectibles. Also, I have oh. two action figures and a pop. It's like, man, <laughs> it took me 60 years, but I'm a pop. <laughs> and you've made it you're a pop that is awesome and talking about crisis i've got to say crisis that crossover for me has got to be the best crossover to date i just think what they do and how they film it must be crazy to have all those shows together i know that i've heard interviews with uh, the actors from those shows saying it's non-stop how was filming crisis for you um well i had a lot of feelings you know <laughs> sterling gates who was a co-writer on that and sterling gates also wrote the flash time episode where we were diffusing the nuclear bomb in season four and, and sterling was asking me what the experience was like he was there to support us on set in case there were any needed rewrites and i said well again i'm so focused on i have a job to do and doing it that it hasn't really hit me yet. And Sterling said, I was sitting there writing this scene, these scenes, these crisis scenes and crying, you know? <laughs> and uh, so I had a lot going on. What I, cause I was bringing, you know, a part full circle 30 years later, 28 years, I guess it was during crisis, but, and having uh, a really cool way to bring that character full circle. I love yeah. the way it was written, Eric Wallace and Sterling, you know, that it wasn't sentimental. It wasn't overdone. It could have been get over yourself, you know, <laughs> but it was like, I have a job to do. This is, you know, my world is gone. This is my sacrifice to make. I'm going to steal your speed. You pick up a couple of neat tricks when you've been a, you know, yeah. superhero long enough, you know, and you, you learn some neat tricks. You know, so there was a sense of humor, a sense of duty, a sense mm-hmm. of I'm going to do this. Uh, I got, I love that. I got a bit angry with uh, Carlos, mm-hmm. you know, when he wouldn't open the breast. Do you want your friend to die? Mm-hmm. You know, and then turning to him and saying i know you'll continue to make us proud keep riding the lightning kid and i threw in a wink so that it was light the best review which every now and then and i can quote all the bad reviews the worst reviews i've ever gotten and there's some real stinkers but this one was a confirmation of everything that i hope to communicate it said 
It was written and shot and acted and directed in such a way that it turned what could have been a harrowing moment into a triumphant one. Definitely. Definitely. And that made my heart, you know, really and, and, and it was such a beautiful scene. It was. And what a way to go, go out. I just, I just think it's beautiful. And it, and it brought a tear to my eye. And the only, the only other time I had a tear in my eye was at the end of the pilot for the o, OG flash with the sun. Um, you know, just going back, you know, to 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 the original, as I I would call it, at that point where you sit down and say you may not be the fastest, you know, uh, you know, for me, that I knew that the rest of that series was going to be amazing because at that point, you know, you're looking at a true hero that is going to do great things, and it was just may I just tell you really the way was. that an uh, interesting thing about the way that and my hats off to David Nutter, who really set the tone of the new show, Emmy Award winning director of mm. uh of uh it literally oh it was the biggest thing on tv game of thrones was, yes yes yeah. the red wedding and the way they they pulled a fast one on me because i learned the scene as it was written and david was so quiet and he came up to me and he said okay i'll never forget handed me a bottle of water and he said, we've written some dialogue to honor you, or for whatever word he used, um, that you haven't seen. So don't come in on your cue. Wait. And don't come in until Grant says, whatever it was, I love you, whatever it was that broke the moment. And so, well, now all my talk about spidey sense, everything is <laughs> glowing and I'm so locked in to Grant, which is what you want to be as an actor. And I'm wondering, what is he going to say? What is he going to say? And out came, remember that time when you told me to change my name because you didn't want anyone to be, wanted to associate me with you. Well, I'm glad I didn't change my name, you know? Yeah. I'm going back there. I'm proud of you and I am proud to be your son. I totally lost it. I couldn't get the dialogue out for the rest of the scene. Gratefully, Andrew Kreisberg, Jeff Johns, David Nutter, in the other room, they said, John, you're in it. Do it again. Without a word. And then I was able to have the fullness of emotion and yet not get completely consumed by it. But isn't that interesting? That's isn't amazing. That yeah. Well, it's there to get the reaction, isn't it? It's there to to get that 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 moment where you're not prepared for it. And yeah, I mean, Dave, David Nutter is just amazing. He really is. He's like I'll tell you another brilliant thing he did. Yeah, I was coming out of the house. The wife had been killed. We're doing the flashback. Barry's ten years old. I come out of the house. They're dragging me away. I see Barry. I'm thinking, I don't want to make him more scared than he already is. David is thinking, crescendo, 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 you know. And so he kept saying, when you see him, it's like, I said, but David, I don't want to scare him. He said, scare him. I said, all right. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I go, Barry, 
you know, <laughs> and, uh, I'm looking around and the cops and the this and the swirling. And they actually use that line in a lot of the promos. So David knows. Yeah. You, know, you have a good director. You have to put yourself in his hands. You know, that is that is awesome. Um, I mean, ov- I mean, obviously, Crisis was was amazing. But and there's a lot of rumors that always go around the Internet, because obviously when the original Flash came out, there was no Internet. Uh, now there's internet and there's lots of rumors and apparently there's rumors that you might be going back to the D- DC verse. Um, I don't know if you can say yes or no. Um, could that be a poss- poss- possibility in some way or form? Well, I think, I don't think I'm doing a spoiler here because Eric Wallace, I read, said in an interview that Joan and Jay Garrick are on Earth Prime. Right. And that at, at some point we will be seeing jay we'll be seeing them again awesome. that's more than that i cannot say i have talked <laughs> to eric and and we we've talked about some things and there's a big surprise coming and more than that i can't say <laughs> good 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 <laughs> but i want good. everybody to be there on february 23rd at eight o'clock on the cw i may or may not be there i'm not saying i'm in the episode i'm just saying the new season delayed starts on february 23rd and i just so want to support that show for everyone do you know what we just cannot wait with the year that everyone's had you know what i'm saying at at the moment we need a bit of relief we need a bit of escape you know and and these amazing amazing shows um so before before we wrap up this wonderful interview uh conventions you absolutely seem to love them and, and thrive. Uh, what's the best thing about attending conventions for you? The interaction, the fact that you walk into that convention hall, whether it's a hundred thousand people in Peru or Guayaquil, Ecuador or Mexico city or New York or Paris or London. I was supposed to be in London in this last month. Mm. I canceled But you walk in and you're in this, what feels like a pretty pure environment in that everybody's there for one reason. We're all there to wrap ourselves around our love of this pop cultural art form so that people come up to you and they have so many personal associations that as someone who's been with the franchise off and on over a 30 year period, a lot of people's emotion memory is hooked into, and I always try to calculate when somebody gets really emotional with me, and I've had people break down and cry in my arms. I don't say that, I say that with all due respect, and I take it as a sacred trust if somebody's willing to show you to be that vulnerable with you, that Mm -hmm. they trust you that much as a result of your, I try to figure out, okay, how old were they when they hooked into whatever project it was? And I, I imagine what they may have been going through. Sometimes they'll tell me, you know, and the fact that it's such pure heart to heart interaction, it might be people I get into an argument with on the street, but everybody checks their egos. Everybody checks their politics. Everybody checks their religion (laughs) at the door. And we come in and we involve ourselves in the adventure, in the adventure of discovering who each other is. Mm. And I, you know, my sister, who is a minister of music in a very progressive church in Decatur, Georgia, um, welcoming and affirming, very progressive. 
She described it because we're both ministers' kids. She said, well, John, I was describing the experience. And she said, well, John, this in a way is your ministry. I don't, you know, <laughs> I don't know if I go that far, but I'd say what a beautiful way to look at it. And you know what? You get out of conventions, you get out of them exactly what you put in. If you go in like, I'm here to make a buck. I'm really above this. I really, I'm not comfortable with it. Then that's exactly what you're going to get. But if you go in with an open heart, these people are bathing you, man, in affirmation. Mm-hmm. And if you open your heart to that, I have been incredibly moved on many times. I can't even say more than one, many times, you know, that, uh, that people are so kind and yeah. affirming with me. Yeah, and this is why we need these conventions back, because yes. pe- people look forward, forward to these. Have you got any virtual conventions planned at, at all coming up? Or? I did one with Mike Broder. Mm. who is the Supercon king. I was yeah. on the Mike Broder tour a couple a year or two back. I did Raleigh, Supercon, and Minneapolis, and Louisville, and, and Virginia Beach. It's like I was doing, uh, he said he was doing the John Wesley ship tour. You know, <laughs> all the cities that I had either, Louisville, Kentucky, I graduated from high school. I was born in Norfolk, Virginia. My dad went to Richmond. We, we lived in Wake Forest. So every town was claiming me as a hometown boy comes home. So I was like, <laughs> how many homes do you have? But, oh. yeah. And we did a virtual convention um, yeah. with Mike and Sandy, but it's the only one that I've done. Mm. Um, I would be, oh, no, 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 no. Yeah, yeah, that was the same one that I did yeah, with Teddy and uh, yeah, Jessica. It was, uh, yeah, it was fun. It's, people have been talking about how do we get them back? My thing about the value of convention, Mm. it's a tactile experience. If you put me in a bubble, like say for photo ops, and they're standing beside me outside the bubble, you know, I'm very hands-on. I get Mm. up from behind my table. I go, I want to have the contact. (laughs) And that may come from my dad, you know, but I want to have that, uh, how to feel all that wonderful energy that's coming at me. Yeah, I mean, it's terrible to see. I mean, cons are ha- happening at the moment and they've got like a, a sheet of plastic between, you know, the guest and the attendees and it's not the same, you know. I want to shake someone's hand, thank thank, thank them for what they've given me uh, and leave, you know, fe- feeling, you know, happy that I've met one of my heroes. So fingers crossed, this COVID, you know, goes away uh sooner the better and we can get these conventions back and we can have you over in the uk as soon as possible so i will I be, be there be, at the drop because, of the hat because i've never <laughs> got a chance to meet you and i've got my dc comic ready for you to sign you know the uh the one with 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 you on the front is the i think it's the only one that they did except for christopher reeve in superman it was uh, the, the second DC one that they did. Yeah. 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 So I, I, I want to get, 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 get you to sign it for, for my collection. Uh, and quickly before we go, Christmas is just around the corner. How will you be celebrating Christmas? Very quiet. I'll, it will be one of the, I have quit jobs before and gone home for Christmas. Mm. I will not be going uh, sort of the home 
now where the fan that wherever the family is everybody's ended up in atlanta my sister my uh my my brother his wife and their kids we go every year to atlanta for christmas i will be staying in new york this year because the more we follow directions of our best scientists and our healthcare experts mm. the sooner we'll be back together and that's my goal mm. you know yeah. is to come back together and have you got any messages for your fans, your end message um, on a message of hope, re 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 really, from the Flash himself? I'll say this. I get these memory flashbacks uh, from uh, Facebook one year ago today. Okay. One year ago today, I was doing uh, a play, a two-character play about Henry Fonda and Jimmy Stewart, workshopping it in New Orleans. I was in Minneapolis, all these pictures, you know, with, pe with people at Q&As, cutting up, having a good time. Um, one after the other, a year ago today, a year ago today, and I stop and I say, wow, if things can change that quickly, they can change back. Mm -hmm. So everybody follow direction, you know, be safe. And hopefully one year from now, when we're all together, we will look back on the days when we had to stay separate for everybody's safety. There you go from the man himself, the flash. Uh, and, and what a wonderful message. And yes, and I think we're going to appreciate things more. You know, when we come out of this, we're going to appreciate family. We're going to appreciate life. Um, and hopefully it will be a kinder nation um, around the world, uh, whichever country so. we are in. John, thank you so much for your time. You've been a great guest. And, thank uh, you. It, Amazing it, questions. This has been a terrific interview. Sometimes, as I said, I feel like I'm automatic pilot because there are only so many <laughs> answers. You know, before I start making things Bless up. You. Bless but this you. has been a wonderful, very, uh, very intense, uh, enjoyable time for me. So thank you. You've been listening to Be More Super, the podcast. It was kind of a crazy, fun experience. I love the show, guys. You're awesome. Listen, my whole family loves it, man. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to hit the subscribe button and share with your super friends. In my world, it means hope.